0: at loveisrael.org that's one word loveisrael.org now here's baruch with today's lesson
1: joshua was a man of faith and we can say that another way he was a man of obedience understand this biblical faith brings about obedience faith says faith gives us access to grace And that grace with faith and the indwelling of the holy spirit moves us to agree with god to walk with god to serve god in other words to obey him and it's in the midst of obedience that we please god it's in the midst of obedience that we are brought into his will whereby we could receive from him everything that we need to stand in faithfulness to be individuals that are overcoming who see the enemy defeated and in the passage that we're going to study today from Sephiroth yahushua the book of joshua we're going to see victory a great victory but realize something we need to see things from a proper perspective joshua he has just experienced victory over five kings and he doesn't have much time to enjoy that before a greater number of kings come against him but this greater number of kings is not a reason to fear but rather to rejoice because all things are happening according to God's sovereign plan what God deems as appropriate and God is going to tell Joshua we'll see this in a moment don't fear them realize that all of this is coming about for me to provide for you that god is going to give this great enemy that we're going to learn more about into the hands of joshua and the children of israel now this passage of scripture we have several verses to go through in this chapter and we're going to god willing complete all of the 11th chapter of the book of joshua in this study it's narrative It is telling a story, war stories, and how God brought about his presence. He was faithful, and he gave blessing in the midst of war. When we fight faithfully, trusting God, relying upon God, we can expect in the midst of the attack of the enemy to benefit. God can always benefit his people in the midst of hardships wars conflict obstacles makes no disease god can give victory so let's begin look with me as i said to that 11th chapter of the book of joshua remembering what we learned in the last three weeks of our study of joshua chapter 10 verse 1 joshua 11 and verse 1. And it came about as Yavin, the king of Chatzor, is hearing. Now, it's in the present tense. And again, that present tense is a tense of emphasis. We see that he is hearing at that moment, present tense. He's hearing. What does he hear? About the children of Israel. How they're having one victory after another. And hearing that word, L'shmoah demands a response he hears this and he's going to respond but he's not going to respond in faith he's going to respond in rebelliousness and realize that's how a person responds either in faith or rebelliousness there's no position in between so this one look again and it came about as yavin the king of Chatzor, is hearing it says that he sent to yovav the king of Madon, and the king of shimron and the king of akshaf these kings he sent messages to because of israel's victory and what else and to look at verse 2 and to the kings which were in and from the north the mountainous area in the plain the desert plains in the south in kinrot and also in the coastal plains and in the elevated area of Dor, on the the west so he's speaking not just to a few kings but we're talking about a vast area of the land of canaan and in one sense all of the nations those city-states are rising up against the children of israel it's no longer just one small people or two or three or five but we see a large coalition of enemies coming together in unity for destroying the children of israel look now at verse three and the canaanites from the east and from the sea meaning east and west and the amorites the chittites the preserzites the jesbocites in the mountain meaning in the mountainous area and the chivites that were under hermon that is under the golan heights mount hermon in the land of Mitzpah. why is it called the land of Mitzpah? that word mitzvah comes from the word for observing being able to see so on elevated areas you can see better that's why it's called Eretz ha-mitzpah, the land of observation, verse 4. And they went out, and all their camps, meaning all their battalions with them, all their supplies with them. And notice what it says at the end of verse 4. Am-Rav, a great number of people, as the sand, which is on the the shore of the sea, for abundance and they had horse and chariots how much many very many now this phrase rav meot, again is oftentimes used just not for an exceedingly large number but there's a supernatural aspect to it this is a large it is a stunning enemy that's been assembled against one people the children of Israel verse verse 5 and this coalition of of armies notice what it says in verse 5 and they took counsel they assembled together they met in other words all these kings and they came and they encamped together at the waters of Marom, for what purpose to wage war with Israel again joshua has only done what god has instructed him and he's finding each time that he obeys the enemy gets larger and larger and larger there is a greater obstacle to overcome but it's the same principle simply obey god to obey god you have to be listening one of the wisest questions that you can ask yourself is this am i truly listening to god and if you are how would you discern his voice by being a good student of his word when you know the word of god you can discern the voice of god and not be deceived by the enemy not being led astray for his purposes rather than the purposes of god verse 6 and the lord said to yahushua do not fear From before them. Now, this has something subtle in the text. Don't fear from before them, meaning you're going to move forward. You are going to meet them. You're not going to flee. You're not going to be concerned. Do not fear from before them. For tomorrow, at this time, I am, and here's that present verb again: I am giving all of them. As what halalim what's that has to do with corpse carcasses i'm giving them as dead bodies now this word comes from the same word where we have in hebrew the term outer space what's in outer space for the most part nothing it's an emptiness and it's talking about bodies that are empty that their souls have departed so i am giving all of them as as empty dead bodies before before Israel now notice it doesn't say the children of Israel it says Israel and this teaches us the term Israel is a victorious term it means that which is going to be prosperous successful with God meaning only with God Israel has within it this word God and straight and it can also be understood as will have victory but again only with god look at the last part of verse verse six where it says and their animals you shall hamstring and their chariots you shall burn up with fire verse seven and joshua came and all the people of war with him unto them where where they were they attacked them, meaning the children of Israel went and attacked them at the waters of Moron. and they did so. Notice this last part, pit om, which means suddenly. Now, most scholars see this as informing the reader that the enemy never thought that the children of Israel would attack them. The children of Israel, one people, the 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 enemy multiple nations multiple people who have come together in unity with one common purpose and that is to destroy the children of israel but it was israel that attacked them listen to this suddenly they fell upon them and what happens this attack shows faith it is a demonstration of trust it is an act of obedience based upon the instructions of the lord and what did he do look at verse 8 and Hashem that is the Lord gave them into the hands of Israel and they struck them and they pursued them all the way notice all the way to the greater part of Sidon they left the land of the Canaanites and they entered into Lebanon all the way to Sidon and this shows the greatness of this victory that they pushed them out of the land now were there others still there we'll talk about that later this war is not over but the victory the first victory is with the children of israel so we see as well look again at the the last part of this verse where it says he struck them and pursued them until until the greater part of sin until a place called Misrafot Maim, that is the brook of, of Misrafot, unto the valley of the lookout of the east. And they struck them until there was not any one who survived of them a survivor. There was not one survivor of them that survived. Again, just like we saw last week, a total victory there was none who were left this shows the sovereignty of god this is instruction do it god's way and you'll have victory verse 9 and joshua did unto them just as the lord said to him their horses he hamstringed their chariots he burnt up with fire again all of this showing yahushua's total obedience to the instruction of god and look now to to verse verse 10 and yahushua he he dwelt at that he returned at that time and what did he do he returned at that time and he took Khatsor. now we're going to learn that Khatsor was a very significant location Chatzor was the leader of all the land of Canaan it was a very strong and fortified city and if you ever come to with us on a tour to Israel most of the time we always want to visit that place if possible so look again Joshua returned at that time and he took Chatzor with their king meaning its king the king of that city and he struck with the sword for Chatzor formally and this is what i said earlier Chatzor formally it was meaning she that city was the head of all these kingdoms so notice it was destroyed verse 11 and and they struck meaning the children of israel struck every soul which was in it with the edge of the sword and they notice this next word ha harem utterly destroyed it everything in hatsor it was a leading city a wealthy city but all of it was destroyed and not one soul remained all the souls none of them remained and was burned he burned with fire verse 12 now Chatzor suffered a total loss but we're going to see something slightly different with some of the other cities that were destroyed look now to verse 12 all the cities of these kings and all their kings were taken by yahushua and what did he do he struck them with the edge of the sword and he also utterly destroyed that is he he did a harem he devoted everything of them just as the lord commanded moses his servant so we see the instructions that god gave moses moses was faithful to disciple to train to teach up joshua and now we see that moses faithfulness to the word of god teaching that next generation after him produce great dividends we see that there was victory there was success and there was the outcome of obedience all of this is because of moses faithfulness to train up that next generation look if you would to verse verse 13 only here's the part about some of the cities only all the cities that were standing Upon their their mound, now you've heard of the city Tel Aviv, is a mound of Aviv is spring, so a mound or a heap of spring, but the word Tel is simply a a word for a mound of rubbles, a heap of rubbles, and it says because those cities were destroyed, they did not burn Israel did not burn them up, other than Chatzor alone did joshua burn up verse 14 what did they do with these other cities verse 14 and all the spoil this is all the wealth of these cities and their animals they plundered them who did the children of israel plundered them only every man they struck with the edge of the sword unto their destruction he destroyed them. And once again, there did not remain any soul. So the wealth and the, the, off, or the livestock of the city were taken as spoiled. But no individual, no living soul was spared. They all were put to death by the edge of the sword. Look now to verse 15. Again, we're told the same thing because of its importance. Just as the Lord commanded Moses, his servant, thus Moses commanded Joshua and thus Joshua did. And there was not a word that was removed from all which the Lord commanded Moses. So Moses was totally faithful and sharing with Joshua that next generation And if you're not familiar with the importance of that term, the next generation, let's learn it now. It is used oftentimes prophetically to speak about the kingdom generation. And this emphasis on Moses instructing Joshua shows a kingdom context. The same thing that that Joshua learned, obedience to the Lord's instructions, submitting to the authority of the one over you your your master all of this produces dividends in your age that has kingdom implications now this victory is very reminiscent it is a, a pattern of what's going to happen in the last days when all the nations of the world not just all the nations of the canaanite area not all the Canaanites, but all the nations of the world are going to come against the children of Israel. Now, Israel was greatly outnumbered, but it doesn't make a difference because it's God that gives the victory and God's able to. So this passage of scripture is instruction for Israel not to be fearful in the last days when every nation will rise up against Jerusalem it is that same god that unchanging god that will give victory to his people so again thus did joshua and not a word was removed from all which the lord commanded moses verse 16 and joshua took all and there's an emphasis on this it's emphatic verse 16 and joshua took all of this land the mountain area all the southern part all the land of goshen which is around jerusalem all the coastal plain and the desert plain and the mountainous area of israel and their lowlands so a total victory verse 17 from the mountain of kalak now this is a smooth mountain What is meant by that? There's many different interpretations, but it says here look again from the mountain of Chalak That goes up to Sire. It's a smooth mountain that goes up to Sire, which is the mountain of Esau the Edomites What this is saying and Edomites play a major role in that mountain prophetically in the last days That's why I say this has a kingdom context, kingdom implications. It's a smooth mountain meaning this. If you follow the principles here, you're going to have a smooth pathway to victory over the enemy. Unto Baal-Gad in the Valley of Lebanon, underneath the mountain of Hermon that is the the Mount Hermon in the Golan Heights and all their kings he took and he struck them and they were were put to death so the enemy no survivors all of this is to tell us as god gave the land to the children of israel that began a kingdom experience so too will god give great victory over all the enemies of the world that come against jerusalem and that will bring about a kingdom experience verse 18 joshua put to death all of them and notice what it says in verse 18 yamim rabim many days joshua joshua made or did to all of of these kings war so this fact victory was one that took many days of the kings being put to death one after another. And the message of this verse is Israel experienced victory after victory, the enemy defeat after defeat, death after defi- uh, death. Verse 19. And there was not a city, not one, which made peace with the children of Israel. That shouldn't surprise us except for the Chivites the dwellers of Givon now we learned about the what's oftentimes called the Gibbonites, the what in Hebrew give Givon we learned about them and all meaning everything else they took in war war was the means of receiving the blessings of God did you hear that war was the means The call that was placed upon joshua and the children of israel in order that they might inherit the blessings and this is going to be the same instructions in the last days the enemy is going to make war but israel is going to go forth not in fear but out of obedience trusting in god and the victory is going to be theirs look if you would to verse 20 for from the lord was the strengthening of their heart to to meet them in war with Israel on the account that he would utterly destroy them and there would not be for them any mercy now it says here about God strengthening their heart what for what purpose that they would fight but how did he do that we always have to remember so many people want to take that verse out of the context, what did we learn? Well, we learned that the fear of the Lord fell upon them. They had, meaning the enemy, and I should say enemies, they had all heard what happened at Yam Suf, the Red Sea, how God moved to bring supernaturally the people through the waters, and when Pharaoh and his armies pursued after, the waters supernaturally closed upon them, and they suffered an utter defeat and how these two large kings of the emirates og and Sehon, they were seen as super powerful but they too were defeated and now over and over one after another victory for the jewish people over the enemy but yet the people did not fear they did not follow the example of yoshua Giv'on the gibbonites and want to make peace they wanted to rebel forever against the purposes of God and when we see the truth and reject the truth it strengthens our heart in the wrong way that's what's saying being said here and the people were not given any mercy on account because of their rebelliousness on account that they would utterly be destroyed just as the Lord commanded Moses now it wasn't that God caused their hearts to be hard and strong against it. But he knew that in advance. And he used that for his purposes, and that is their utter destruction, so that Israel would have an absolute victory. Look, if you would, to verse 21. And Joshua came at that time, and he did something. Now, there's a supernatural aspect to this notice what he did verse 21 and joshua came at that time and he cut off the anakim that is the giants from the mountainous area from hebron from devir from anav from all the mountainous area of yehuda and from all the mountainous area of israel with their cities and what did he do he Put a harem on it, meaning he utterly destroyed all of their cities, leaving nothing. Everything was totally, wholly destroyed. There did not remain any Anakim, any of those giants in the land of the children of Israel. Only in Aza, that's Gaza, in Gat, that's where Goliath's from, and in Ashdod, that's where I live only there in these three places did they remain verse 23 our last verse and joshua took hear this all the land i want to emphasize that he took all the land and let me simply say in the future israel is going to take all the promised land from that that river in egypt all the way to the euphrates river It's all going to be the promised land. God, in the same way he gave the children of Israel 3,500 years ago, all the land of Canaan, so too is God going to give all the land that he promised to Abraham to the children of Israel prior to, hear this, prior to the, the establishment of the millennial kingdom. Verse 23, And Joshua, he took all the land as according to what the lord had spoken to moses and joshua gave it for an inheritance that is a kingdom word for an inheritance to israel according to their divisions of their tribes now here again all of this is to tell us about heavenly order a divine order god is and he always knew this He was going to give them the land, divide it up according to the tribes of Israel, those 11 tribes that would inherit the land. And notice what it says. It was only when God's will was fulfilled in giving them the land that it says, and the land was quiet from war. Understand how God brings about a quietness, how he brings a stillness. He does so through obedience to his word and those who rebel against his word they are going to meet judgment sometimes through the hands of the people of god as in this case other times through god himself supernaturally as will be the case in the last days when the wrath of god pours out upon all those nations that go up for war let me conclude our study with just one more thought concerning Rosh Hashanah, this festival, that's how it's called by most And Rosh Hashanah, many say the beginning of the year, but Rosh means head, beginning, the chief. And the word Shana can mean year, but it comes from a word which means change. So this festival speaks about the chief change, and it has to do with a kingdom change. And that's why, and I'll close with this, i believe that that this festival gives us much information about our blessed hope not necessarily when that's going to happen no one knows the day or the hour that's what the word of god says but we can learn from this festival and from victories such as this what we can expect to happen we see for example in the word of god in the new covenant that with the appearing of messiah in that blessed hope the rapture it tells us within that context that God who has begun a good work is going to complete it and he is able just like through this victory that we've seen God is able to give us victory give us that new body that glorious body that perfect body so that we will never experience any of the implications of the curse no more tears no more death No more sorrow. No more screaming. No more pain. We will know simply one thing The promises of God in the presence of God and is there anything better than that? No, there's not and we should take that mindset the promises of God in the presence of God we should take that mindset with us as we observe what's called the feast of trumpets the memorial of the sounding of the ram's horn which god gave to first abraham as a way of proclaiming victory that that promise was going to become a future reality well may god bless you shalom from israel and may you have a meaningful festival amen